This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island. Thanks again for joining us here on the Kona Edge. Much appreciated. It's uh, great to have you with us. And I'm super excited to share Sam Long's story with you today. And uh, before we get into that, just a, a massive thank you once again to everybody who uh, decided uh, after last week's uh, request to, to become patrons of The Kona Edge. You can do it as well. All you need to do is head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash patron. Uh, that's P-A-T-R-O-N. And uh, in becoming a patron, you just help support the show. Obviously, there are costs involved and uh, we need to keep afloat, so to speak. And uh, yeah, by becoming a patron for as little as a dollar a month. So literally buy me a cup of coffee, less than a cup of coffee a month, and you'll keep the lights on here at the Kona Edge. Uh, yeah, thank you so, so much. That's thekonaedge.com forward slash patron if you'd like to help. There's a couple of different levels and uh, su- or levels of support. So uh, starting at a dollar uh, a month, you get access to the commercial free feed of the Kona Edge. So no ads at all for a dollar a month. It's as simple as that, and that helps us keep the lights on so go check it out theconeedge.com forward slash patron but uh, enough of me yakking let's get into today's interview and uh, we catch up with sam long well we head to boulder colorado now in the united states uh, to catch up with our next guest sam long sam welcome on to the cone edge thanks for joining us today Hello, how's it going? Fantastic. Sam, I'm so chuffed to, to be able to, to, to touch base with you and uh, chat a little bit uh, Ironman and, and triathlon. You, you live in an incredible part of the U.S., uh, Boulder, Colorado. A lot of triathletes uh, call that home. It's a, it's a great place to live and train, isn't it? Yeah, I've been uh, pretty lucky to grow up here my whole life. Uh, it's been a pretty good community. What what makes it special? I, I I know, I mean, there's a couple. I know one South African, Kyle Buckingham, who who bases himself there uh, for for a large part of the year. But so many athletes do love it. What what makes it so special? I for me, I think it's it's got to be a combination in the summertime of good weather. Uh, well, year round we get about 220 days of sunshine a year, uh, but in the summer it's rare to have any rain. It's sunny every day. Uh, it's pretty hot, which is good for training for Ironmans. And then when you throw in the uh, the elevation on top of that, I think that makes it an ideal environment along with uh, all the roads we have here to ride on and all the trails we have to run on. I think that really makes it an ideal place. And then having all the athletes here just makes it better. And, and it's pretty too. It's uh, pretty beautiful. It's it's not a it's not not one of the ugliest places on the planet. No, it's pretty gorgeous. Yeah, you're right. You're right on the front range. Uh, so you've got all these mountains uh, right out your back door. Sam, tell me a little bit about your your sort of history in the sport. Where where did your love for for triathlon emanate from? Well, I'd say it mostly came from just loving to be in the outdoors. Uh, I was always kind of a mountain biker and uh, runner uh, growing up. That without being a triathlete, uh, and so then in high school. I was mostly just a cross-country runner, actually. But then kind of my junior year, I ended up having a, a, a ski injury. And so I missed that season, uh, the track season. So then I said, oh, well, the triathlon season's in the summer. So I'll start building up my base for that and kind of got really into it my junior year of high school. 
You mentioned mountain biking too. I know that is a, a big part of your life. And, and again, Boulder is just a, a great place to ride. You, you, you spend a, a lot of time on the bike and, and obviously it's something you do love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do, you, yep. do you find that there, there could be... I mean, and the reason I ask this is I did a, an Ironman a couple of years ago and uh, in the weeks leading up to it did a, a pretty tough mountain bike race and I was petrified that I was going to come off and, and do myself some damage ahead of a, a sort of a race for the year. Is that is that a major concern for you riding riding mountain bikes? Do you do you tend to lay off the, the, the trails when you, you're in a big sort of race season? Well, in previous seasons I did. Uh, I did just because I didn't want to fall and be injured but this season i've started doing exteris too so uh that's kind of just in the thicket of racing now so it's not uncommon for me to you know have to be getting on the mountain bike twice a week uh even when i have a big road race coming up just to keep maintaining it but thankfully my skills are good enough now that i don't usually uh have any accidents happening yeah, uh, I wish I could say the same about my skills. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I mean, I, yeah, I remember when I was first getting it, not even first getting into it, just a year ago. It seemed like I'd fall every time I went out. Yeah, that's uh, it's yeah, that's pretty much me, Sam. Welcome to my life. Uh, <laughs> it does make you stronger, though. I mean, from just from a bike perspective. I mean, riding pe- people look at, at sort of stats, and if you don't look at uh, sort of power and that sort of thing, and they they see how long it takes you to do a, a twenty mile ride, for instance, they think, "Gee, what are you doing out there? You're having a picnic on the trails." But it does definitely make you stronger, doesn't it? Oh, it definitely makes you stronger. And we might get into this a little later when we start talking about Kona. One of the best things I think mountain biking is good for is working on surging and, you know, you got to lay off and then you got to surge cause you got to get over a rock or whatever. And, uh, at Kona on the bike, I found that was very much what was, what was happening, uh, just because of the crowds and all that. Let's talk about the, the, the decision to do your first Ironman. It's, uh, one thing doing a, a sprint or an Olympic distance, but, uh, the step up to a, a full distance Ironman triathlon is, is huge. Uh, t- tell me the, the thought process and, and when you, you decided you wanted to do this. Yeah. So my first Ironman was, uh, it was like almost three years ago now. Uh, and I decided to do it because it was like the first time they did, uh, the Boulder Ironman. Uh, I mean, they had had it like 15 years earlier, but of course, I was like five at that age, so <laughs> obviously I didn't do it then, but uh, they announced that it was coming to Boulder, and I just thought, oh, that'd be like the coolest thing to ever do, uh, to do the Boulder Ironman, uh, and I kind of, you know, that was like probably five, only five months in advance, uh, and I was like, okay, how am I, how am I going to get across that finish line with only five months of like dedicated uh true iron man training but you did it yeah i did it i yeah and i i ended up doing quite well uh, i actually qualified for kona there that's incredible in hindsight do you wish you had more time um not necessarily uh in some ways yeah it would have been good to have more time but uh like it was my first one and now i've been training for iron man's consistently ever since five months before that one so uh you got to start somewhere yeah absolutely as far as as far as being competitive you you obviously you you do have ability have you always been competitive growing up and like everything that you've done is it have you always hated losing or is is it you know if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't 
Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm probably one of the more competitive people you'll ever meet. Uh, I'm actually I'm a triplet with two other brothers, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so I think that helps to uh, make you competitive. <laughs> Growing up with two people uh, the same age, and you're pretty much competing in everything always. Geez, that that must be incredible. Tell me about your childhood. I mean, where, are, are your your two brothers pretty sporty as well? Uh, yeah, one of them was is rowing out at Cornell University, uh, and he was he was kind of running in high school as well, but uh, you know, kind of found a different path, and he's actually been running more recently. And then the other one, uh, his name's Justin. He actually hasn't really been working out much in the last several years, uh, which is fine. That's uh, that's incredible. I love that, and and it's funny. I, I I think it does help having siblings. Uh, I mean, we were chatting about it on a recent episode as well, where where somebody was was one of four kids, and and they were saying that it was just an absolute free fall. If they, they they if they didn't if they didn't fight hard, they they wouldn't have eaten. So it was uh, it was it started really really young, and and I'm sure you pretty much felt exactly the same way. Is it uh, every, everything was a competition. Exactly. Yep. Everything's a competition, and uh, you know, you're when you've got two other people to be around. Always, you're going out and you're playing out in the outdoors, and you're getting a love for the outdoors and being competitive in the outdoors at an early age. And when it comes down to it, that's pretty much exactly what you're doing in an Ironman. Yeah, absolutely. What What is it that you love about Ironman? Oh. I just love how epic it is. That's probably the number one thing I love. I love how epic it is. I love how how mental it is, how you really got to get into your head uh, in order to do well. And I love how hard it is. Uh, there's, I don't think anyone's ever going to say they had an easy Ironman. I love the the fact that you say it's mental and you, you've got to get into your head. I, th- I think a lot of newbies underestimate that and, and don't realize how mental it actually is. What are some of the things you do to, to sort of strengthen yourself mentally, Sam? Well, so some of the things is, for me, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in doing long training days on your own so that you're, you're going to know what your mind's going to be like when you're facing that on your own. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to go out and do a big, say, 115-mile ride with a group of 25 other people and you're in the pace line the whole time and you're talking to friends. And really, or or even if you're out there riding on your own with music, that's really not the same. Like, I, So to for me, kind of preparing is I, I love to go out and do five or six-hour rides, you know, no music, no other people out there, nothing. And... Uh, I think you kind of learn what your mind's going to be like and then you can kind of think about it, think about it a lot. Uh, what what am I going to be like when, uh, you know, I'm on mile 80 in the bike and I'm hurting and I'm thinking about how I still have a whole marathon to go. Like, how are you going to face that? So I really just think kind of running yourself through all the ropes uh, before you before you actually get there is the best thing to do. What, what are some of the things you tell yourself at mile 80 thinking that, you know, gee, this is tough and I've got a marathon to come? I just kind of try to uh, shut the mind up and just just try and enjoy the enjoy what's going on. Focus on nutrition uh, and kind of just be positive. Uh, I have a I have a mantra that I use, which is kind of I don't, it actually just came to me in an Ironman once, that, and I never thought of it before. Uh, it it just goes uh, mana baby mana baby mana baby mana. Uh, and mana I don't even know how the word came to me. So then I like looked it up later, and like mana is like a Hawaiian word. Uh, that means like energy and spirit of like kind of the world and the mountains. Uh, 
and how it can kind of like propel you along. And so that's kind of how I, my mantra was born. Uh, I never really thought about it, but that's just what happened. So whenever things get hard, I kind of just tell myself that and that really helps me focus up. Sam, that first Ironman boulder that you did, were you, were you qualified? Was quali- qualifying for Kona on, on the sort of radar going into that race? Or, or did, did it, I don't want to say it happened by accident because you obviously must have thought about it, but was that the goal going into that race? No, that was not the goal going into that race. That The goal for that race was uh, was honestly just to finish. Uh, I, I was I was only 18 at the time of, of doing that one, so... Uh, I was, when I actually did that one, I was saying, oh, I'm only going to do one Ironman ever in my whole life. And then I'm going to move on to other stuff. But, uh, it was such a good experience that I've come back for more. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you realized you had qualified for Kona, was it a a no brainer to, to, to sort of take that slot and go? Well, I actually, I actually didn't go that year. Uh, so no, I, I actually didn't take that slot, uh, which was kind of two reasons. Uh, I had it was like my first year of college starting up uh, pretty, pretty like pretty much like two weeks before Kona. Uh, and the other thing I was worried about was I was absolutely demolished after uh, Ironman Boulder, which was a mid August race. And I didn't think, I didn't think at that time that I could recover fast enough for another Ironman uh, in October. Uh, so those were kind of the two reasons that I didn't, I didn't take the spot. Of course I kind of, in retrospect, in some ways, I wish I had, but it, it almost gave me more fuel to the fire. So I didn't go that year, but then I I was almost – I got way more focused about it. I mean, my training was way more diligent, way more consistent, uh, way harder, uh, but, I mean, obviously still smart. Uh, and then I did Ironman Coeur d'Alene the next summer and then made it to Kona the next year. I love those three terms, consistence, diligent – and and hard do do you think those are the three things that that make you good that that if you if you are lacking in one of those three you you're not going to live up to your potential as an as a as a triathlete yeah i'd say i'd say those three things are probably the foundation the foundation along with uh along with recovery when you need it and for me like functional strength work those, those would be my five big my five big pillars if i had to break it down that's awesome as far as your first experience on the big island it's uh it's a a sort of mystical place there's something magic about it if i say the word kona what do you think oh yeah i just think i just think of i mean i could just picture the water picture that swim start you know the pier and it's just this it's just this place with incredible energy and there's almost not a word for it it's one of those races where, as you said, you you are only ever going to do one Ironman, and and that was it. But but Ironman does suck you in, and it 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 becomes part of who you are. And and I think Kona is probably more so like that. That you you can you can be sucked into an Ironman like that. But once Kona's in your blood, it's very difficult to get it out, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's very hard to get it out. Uh, I mean, yeah, you go to Kona, and it it's unlike any other Ironman you're ever. I think it's going to be unlike any other Ironman you're ever going to do. I mean, maybe Roth challenge, uh, challenge Roth Ironman can rival it. I've never done Roth, but I still think Kona's going to be a, a different experience just because of the level of competition there and the hardness of the course. 
Sam, what what do you what do you love about Kona? And and like I mean, you you said it's difficult to to describe it and and put it down into words. But what what is it that that keeps you wanting to go back to to race? To actually to race uh, would be would be wanting to see how well I can do out there. Would probably be the number one thing. Uh, and and I mean that in terms both in terms of you know how well I can do. Well, now that I'm a pro, so how well I can do in comparison to the best in the world, but also how well I can do and improve on myself uh, compared to when I was there last year. And uh, so I think that's really what keeps me going back as well. It's just like there's there's this Hawaii is like the perfect combination of like unrivaled and just like it's almost like unconquerable like mother nature you know they've got all those lava rocks there they've got this crazy wind that comes in crazy heat crazy humidity and it's like in a way you're you know you're racing the other competitors but in a way you're really just like trying to handle all that stuff that's going on what's the biggest life lesson that triathlons taught you the biggest life lesson to be patient (laughs) (laughs) why because uh I'm super impatient uh, in my nature and just how I've always done things. And like in an Ironman at Kona, I actually, I got, I didn't have a very good race last year because I was not patient on the bike. I was not patient in the swim. I was not patient in the early part of the run and it hurt me. And, uh, and I think, I think triathlon in when you race an Ironman, it's about patience, but also in how you set up training, it's about patience. You know, it's, you, you don't, you don't go from running a three, 45 say Ironman I mean marathon in an Ironman to 250 in uh, a year you know you just don't do that it takes it takes years and years of uh, hard work and consistency as I was talking about earlier Mm -hmm. and teaching me that patience has been hard because I was always like oh well if I at first I was like oh well if I can go out and run whatever 15 miles every day of the week then surely I'll get faster that quick and you know that that doesn't happen you have to be patient with it yeah, I mean, you can you can be impatient in a sprint or an Olympic, but uh, Ironman's a, a different, a, a totally different beast. What are you, what are you working on right now? What are you what are you struggling? What are you grappling with? In, in terms of my training, yeah, any anything with regards to Ironman or, or triathlon. So I'd say, I'd say my biggest thing is because I'm doing uh, Ironman Arizona here, and uh, I think it's. Uh, seven seven weeks away six six or seven weeks away now so the biggest thing i'm worried about is kind of going back to that patience like is try how, how do you set up the fastest ride you can have while at the same time having a good run uh and so for me how i've really been doing that is i like to do a lot of volume on the bike a lot of volume on the bike uh because i think it really makes your life strong and it's also not weight bearing so it's not the risk of injury on the bike is pretty small. So, and then combining that with some fast running and, you know, runs off the bike and some good solid long runs, uh, because I know I have a lot of potential in the run. Uh, but, but the fastest run I've done in an Ironman has been like a 324. Uh, and in the pros, that's not going to cut it. So I, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing I'm, I'm struggling with. Uh, I know I can do get the swim, even though I haven't been as strong of a swimmer, but, and the swim you're talking about a few minutes uh, between like, you know, a slow swim and a not so and a really fast swim uh, on the bike. I, I know I can 
ride almost as fast as uh, anyone except for, you know, the best, the absolute best in the sport. And then on the run, it's really trying to get that dialed in. Let's talk about the decision to to turn pro. Obviously, you've been racing as an age grouper for the last couple of years, but you've you've recently made that uh, transition. What was the thinking behind it? What uh, t- tell me what goes into making that decision? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, first you have to meet the criteria, uh, which I won't get into because uh, it's it's different for wh- wherever you live in the world, and uh, it can sometimes be co- convoluted. But assuming you've met the criteria, like you still have a big decision to make. Uh, and for me, it was kind of based on like, uh, well, how am I going to like how the biggest question for me was how am I going to face? Like if I find myself in the very back of the pro field, uh, what am I going to do? Cause, cause this, the step up from age grouper to pro is huge. And, and I don't think any age groupers uh, at first should necessarily expect to be crushing like the pro field. Uh, otherwise you would probably already be a pro. Uh, and, and so it was kind of like, how am I going to, how am I going to face that? Uh, what am I going to do if I find myself dead last in the pro field? Am I going to drop out or am I just going to like keep doing my best race? Uh, and, and, and how is that going to affect me in future races? Like if I have a bad race in the pro field, am I going to say, oh, well shit, I don't like triathlon and I don't want to do it as much. So then you stop racing. And I, I think that's, I, I, well, I think that's probably like the worst that could happen. I think that does happen with some pros uh, who, who end up going down that path. And so I really wanted to avoid that path. Uh, and then the, the other big question was just like, what's going to make me, for me, it's always, what's going to make me the fastest? What's going to make me the best I can be in a year from now, in two years from now, in three years from now? And, and when I sat down and I thought about it, I realized like having to be that much more competitive and that much more professional about how I'm going to approach my training, my racing, my gear, my nutrition, everything. I really thought that going pro for me was going to make that difference. Uh, and so those two questions were the biggest questions for me to ask myself. What was the step up as big as you, uh, you thought it was going to be, or has it been, been, been harder? Uh, I think it was, I actually think it was almost exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is, which is kind of rare and kind of cool. Uh, maybe the first one was a little harder. I remember the first, the first pro race I did, which was a half Ironman. Like, you know, I was going all out and literally with a mile left, not even probably three fourths to half of a mile left to the finish. I was like, I could not keep running and I had to walk. And I was in like, I was in like 11th place at that point, which for my first, first pro race was great. You know, I was like, Oh wow, I could be top 10. Uh, but then like I got passed by five people in the last half mile <laughs> and then literally like collapsed at the finish. I mean, I, I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, but it was just like one of those times where I collapsed and had to just like lie on the ground for like 10 minutes before I could get up. Uh, and so that was like, wow, okay, you got to put yourself out there. Uh, but then after that, like I kind of recalibrated and since then, uh, have been pretty on track with where I think I need to be. Have you changed? I mean, how much have you actually changed from the way you're training and 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 that sort of thing from from racing as an age grouper to racing as a pro? Has, has it been? Has there been lots of changes to the way you do things? For me, it has. Yeah, for me, it's been a lot of changes. Uh, a few examples uh, in terms of like nutrition. I'm I'm much more cautious, kind of what I'm eating, and just kind of trying to be more on top of things uh, in terms of equipment. For me, the equipment change was huge. Uh, 
when I was an age grouper, I kind of had, you know, uh, whatever, just kind of a mediocre bike. I, I've gotten like the speed concept now that brand new Trek speed concept. So I upgraded that when I went pro, which has made it another big difference. Uh, you know, really got to make sure I have all my wetsuit stuff figured out, the shoes figured out, uh, a whole nutrition plan in a race. Uh, and then even getting down into my training, like it is extremely rare for me now to, to miss a workout. Uh, the only time I'll miss a workout is if I actually need to miss the workout. You know, if I wake up and I can tell, like, I should not be getting this workout done. That's the only time I won't get a workout done. But if it's like, oh, I'm tired and I've already done three workouts today and I had schoolwork. And so I did five hours of schoolwork or six hours of schoolwork. Uh, I'll still get out the door and do that other session, which when I was an age grouper, you know, I'd sometimes say, oh, well, whatever, I'll just, you know, have dinner with family or do that stuff but now it's kind of like it's much more of a priority now let's talk about getting the balance right you talk about the priority and and having a family and 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 that sort of i gather you're still studying as well you still by by that statement you 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 said you're doing some schoolwork as well how do you get that balance right it's it's something i think a lot of age groupers struggle with for you what what's what's the secret are you still working it out or do you think you've got it got it pretty much handled well, I think I think there's always improvement to be made, uh, especially in something like that. I, I, I think that the number one key to figuring out balance is going to be time management, uh, because, you know, if you if you have poor time management, then you're losing probably four hours every day with poor time management. So then, yeah, that's four hours less to work out. That's four hours less to go to work. That's four hours less to see your family. And so so if you can get time management down. It's still not easy because it's still like, oh, you know, I, I have to work this much. I have to train this much. I have to see family this much. And there's still going to be compromises that you have to make. And and everyone's going to be at a different point. So I'm not necessarily saying like, you know, that people should have to get out the door and get that for a session. And if they're in a different place in their life than me, then it might be more important for them just to get two sessions in a day and be able to spend that time with their family or be able to. Uh, spend more time working. Sam, what are what are some of the the sort of ambitions and the goals long long term that that you want to achieve in your triathlon career? Well, uh, I mean, eventually my top goal is to be the uh, the world champion at Kona. I mean, that's my that's my long term that's my most long term goal. Uh, I mean, that's at least ten years out though. So recently, I mean, more more close. Uh, you know, I just want to kind of start to get on podiums consistently uh you know eventually i'd love to try and break an eight hour iron man i think that would be quite an achievement uh yeah and i mean first first up is just to try and uh you know win a 70.3 and then win an win an iron man uh and then just kind of always trying to get better if you could go back to 18 year old Sam and knowing what you know now, what would, what would you tell yourself starting again in your Ironman career? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I would have, <laughs> this is actually going to be kind of funny because we were just talking about this earlier. I would have, I would have told myself, uh, and slapped myself around a little bit and said, be more patient, be more patient. <laughs> uh, but so I guess I've, that's, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. Uh, and I also probably would have said like, uh, like try and train a little smarter at first, you know, uh, 
So at first I didn't train all that smart. Uh, but, but at the same time, I think I, I almost think that's a necessary thing to go through. Uh, I don't believe, like, I really don't believe that there's, you're uh, uh, suddenly or automatically or immediately going to find like your perfect training plan and what perfectly works for you. Uh, even if you have the best coach in the world, I don't think that's going to happen because everything's individual and you have to figure out what works for you. And so through that trial and error uh, and smart trial and error, then I think you can figure that out. So in some ways, I think it was a necessary thing to go through that trial and error. Sam, I, I love the, the patient side of things, and I think it's so important. And, and I posted something on on Facebook yesterday, actually, then, and I said that I realized a, couple, or a few things on my morning ride. One of them is I'm really unfit at the moment. The second one is, is I have a, I have no understanding of what an easy workout or an easy ride is, and I'm too competitive for my own good. And, and that's something I think we all struggle with at, at various stage in a, in a, in a training session. You might not be, uh, sort of at, at sort of race level, but again, it's that patience thing. Cause if you push too hard at the wrong time, you, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Exactly. And I mean, you see it. You see it so often, and I, I used. That's pretty much exactly what what you wrote in that uh, Facebook post was exactly what I was just talking about. Uh, when I was when I was eighteen, like that's what I do. You know, if I didn't feel quite fit enough, I'd get out the door when I wasn't prepared to, and I'd crush four hours of you know Ironman intervals on the bike, and then I'd go out and I'd try and run ten miles off on the bike, and you know, I, I, yeah, sure. I'd get a great workout in, but it'd be way too much for where I was at, at that time. And I'd get sick or I, you know, get kind of injured. I would just tweak something and then I want to train for like five days. And so it's like, yeah, you're much better off, you know, running for 30 minutes for five days than, you know, two hours on one day and being out for the next five. I'm having such a laugh because you talk about being sick in the north for five days. I've just come off three weeks of bronchitis. So that was my first ride back after three weeks of bronchitis. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should know better. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to go and slap myself around after this one. Sam, let, let's talk about race calendar and how you, you sort of select what you want to race and when you want to race. T tell me how you go about planning a year. Okay, and on this note, I'll actually say, I think this is harder for age groupers than for pros. Uh, I really, I really think it's harder to plan your year as an age grouper because you have to sign up for all the races sometimes a whole year ahead of time, uh, and so you have to commit to what your schedule is going to be a whole year ahead of time. Well, in the pro ranks, all you have to do is register three weeks before an event, so so that gives you a lot more flexibility, uh, which is which is nice, but. Granted, like I still generally have my year set up uh, by like January, uh, and then you know I'll make I'm able to make some slight changes to it now, which is nice. But uh, I, I've kind of tried different things uh, a lot, and what's been really working this year is I I've been racing like two weeks in a row. So I I've been liking to do like an Xterra uh, the week before a half Ironman, and so that's been working really well for me. Uh, cause it kind of gets my speed up, but an Xterra is not going to wipe you out for a week. Uh, at least not at my age, uh, and where I'm at. Uh, and so I've done that. I've done that three times now. Uh, and I'm going to do it one more time. Uh, and that, and that went well. And so I mean, setting up the year is not easy cause you gotta, the first question to ask yourself is when, like, when's your first race going to be, uh, and am I going to have the fitness needed to 
needed to actually compete the race. Cause in my opinion, you're either fit to race a race or you're not fit to rate to race. And there's no in between, like you can be more fit than you need to do a race, which is where you should be. But if you're not fit enough, then you shouldn't even show up to the start line. Uh, and so you need to ask yourself that question and then say, well, how long of an off season do I want to have? How long of an off season do I need to have? And so if you can answer those two questions, then you can figure out when your first race needs to be. Uh, and from there, if you know when your first race needs to be, then you can maybe do a few block, a few races in a row, have a little racing block if that's what you like to do. Or you can do some, some people like to do, you know, one kind of Kickstarter race, have like a month off and then kind of have their real first race. That's, that's kind of a good method. I might do that next year. Uh, and then, you know, maybe have another training block. That's kind of what I like to do. So, you know, kick out the season, have a few races, uh, next year. That's what I'll do. I'll kick out the season, have a, you know, one or two more races, solid training block. Uh, and then I'll probably be getting to like June now, and then I'll really have a solid race season, a solid lineup of races. Uh, maybe like an Xterra, uh, a half Ironman, a few weeks off uh, of training, Xterra, half Ironman, a few more weeks off, then maybe uh, like end that with an Ironman to try and uh, qualify as a pro for Kona next year. And then depending on where that's at, uh, I'd probably, you know, train depending on if I'm qualified for 70.3 worlds, I do that. Uh, or if not, so then, uh, I, I mean, so it's kind of tricky at that point. Cause I don't know if I'll qualify. Uh, but if not, I'll just do another race at a similar time. Sam, as far as team goes and uh, a lot of age groupers require lots of support, family, obviously around work and that sort of thing. Tell me a little bit about your team from a, from a, a coaching perspective. Who, who, who do you work with from a medical perspective? Is there anybody that helps you on a regular basis? What, what, is, what does Team Sam Long look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so Team Sam Long has gotten to be pretty big, uh, which, is, which was always shocking to me because – it's hard to realize how many people you need to actually look after you. And I, and I'm actually self coach. So that's one less person that I don't have to, uh, on my team that I guess I'd start off, you know, I have a strength coach, uh, j just for in the gym. So, you know, she, Aaron Carson, she's given me, uh, she's uh, pretty well known. She's given me exercises, uh, flexibility stuff. So she's one person. I then have a, uh, chiropractor who I see like twice a month, uh, so, you know, he's another part of my team. I have a massage therapist I see twice a month. Uh, another person on my team, I have a specialist swimming coach I see, uh, yeah, probably twice a month, uh, and who I talk to before races. So I think we're already at, what, four or five people. Uh, and then obviously when, when I get into, like, emotional support, which I think is probably the biggest factor of your team is like who can you talk to about and and who can you talk to triathlon about in your training about for hours without them getting sick of it you know that's the big question so <laughs> and, and so you know i have my girlfriend to talk to that about and i mean she's she's really a fundamental part of my team as well as her whole family which uh, really supports me uh and then obviously my own family too and then uh I don't have a lot of training partners, but I have a few, I've, I'd say I have like two really close training partners. Uh, and so that, that really constitutes my team, uh, as well as, you know, the masters swim groups I go to and all that. Sam, I find it interesting. You, you, you've, you've, you're not scared to ask for help. And, and, and that's obvious by the team that you've got with the chiropractor, massage therapist. 
and I find it interesting that you self-coach. Tell me, tell me the thinking behind that. Well, so I wasn't. I've I've been self-coach now for a few months. Uh, before that, I was working with Richie Cunningham, and before that, I was working with uh, Siri Lindley. So I I was coached for about two years, uh, and my reasoning was kind of like. Well, so I, I study like uh, physiology at school, so I kind of understand a lot of the science behind it. Uh, and, and the other thing I was finding was it, it's really – and I'm not saying it can't happen, but I think it's hard to get really good communication with a coach to the point where you're actually able to communicate how you feel and what you need to have on the day-to-day basis. Uh, I, I find it really hard to stick – you know, to stick to a training plan every, every day. Like I, I always write out basic ideas or maybe more like the workouts I want to get done for the week that they don't necessarily have to be done on a certain day, uh, even though they usually are done on a certain day. Uh, but, but really the main reason for me not having a coach. And I think this is, I think this is what coming down to having a coach comes down to for everyone, honestly, is, is mental, mental attributes, how you think, uh, and kind of going to what we were talking about earlier, like with how competitive I am and like, I like to be in control of my training. I absolutely like to be in control of my training. And, and so that's on me. Like I could not hand my control over to my cook, the control of the training over to the coaches. And so it kind of made it hard for us to get along Uh, as well as like, for me, I didn't need, I didn't need emotional support from a coach. I didn't need them to tell me like if I, did really bad in a workout and you know i sucked like i didn't need them to try and like be like oh it's okay like i knew it was okay or if i had a great race like i didn't need someone i didn't need to call my coach and tell them like oh i had a great race like for me it was enough to have it in with myself and so i think i think it really comes down to attributes like that for whether you need a coach or not uh and for whether you need like say someone to say oh get out the door and go and get your workout done like that's a big thing that a coach does. Uh, and if you need that, then you might need a coach, but I never needed that. So I said, okay, I can do this on my own. Uh, I have this whole power dispute with coaches, so I'm just going to save some money and do it on my own. (laughs) I love it. Well, (laughs) you you are, you you are working with a a specialist swim coach and we're going to delve into that next time we chat and that that'll be next week, Thursday here on the cone edge. So Sam, I'm going to thank you for your time today. We'll catch up again next week, Thursday to, to touch base on, on your, your swimming and and what you've done and what you do in the water to get better. But thanks for your time today. And thanks for sharing your journey. And we look forward to catching up again next time. Great. Sounds good. Have a good one. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge.